Hi everyone, I'm Krishan the Wordsmith and you're listening to Knowledge Word Sharing Season 2. Hello everyone, my name is Yuvarajan and welcome to the premiere of a brand new season of Knowledge Word Sharing. My podcast has officially turned 2 this year. Since season 1 has ended, I've taken a gap from podcasting to revel into a journey of pursuing my passion, which is to serve as many people as possible worldwide. I've enrolled into Jay Shetty Certification School back in May 2021 after waiting patiently for almost a year and a half. I have successfully graduated from JSES on October 2021 and I can now proudly say that I am a J30 Certified Coach. Along the journey, I've discovered my coaching niche, which is anti-discrimination. Therefore, for this brand new season, I will be focusing on the powerful human stories who went against the odds. This podcast will dissect on the strong-willed individuals who has been subjected to discriminations on how they came out of it and in turn serving the world in their own unique way and thus making the world a better place. It will be a mix of series of interviews and solo episodes which will retain the education element as I believe discrimination stems from ignorance and education has the power to eradicate ignorance and thus potent enough to combat discrimination. This will be a weekly podcast with interview episodes alternating with solo episodes. Please do give your feedbacks via my contact details which is available in my description. I truly value your feedbacks to improve my contents further. May you enjoy stay here and find my content worth listening and sharing. Service, education, thrive, self-fulfillment. With humility, Yuvarajan. Welcome to my first episode of Knowledge Word Sharing Season 2. Thank you for your willingness to check out my content and I hope you'll find it meaningful and worth sharing. Today's interview guest is Christian Sebastian Pili, aka Christian the Wordsmith. She's the founder of Chris Lay Proofreading who has gone through quite a lot in her life to be where she currently at. It's going to be an extended episode as she has a lot to share with us. So make yourself comfortable, sit tight and enjoy this episode. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to Knowledge Word Sharing Season 2. The podcast has taken a slight break from the first season to give way for me to undergo an important training, a life course training in GSCS. So from May to October, I enrolled in this journey of pursuing my passion, which is to become a life coach to serve as many people as possible worldwide. And on, in October, I've successfully graduated from GSCS. And throughout the journey, I have figured out or discovered my coaching niche, which is anti-discrimination, which has come pretty uh, natural to me because um, growing up myself and uh, growing up myself in as, as an Indian in Malaysia, 
uh, we've gone through severe discrimination here. So that matter comes in actually to me. So knowing that, I tweak the podcast a little to highlight this issue of discrimination so that people worldwide will be more aware of this issue. Okay? So therefore, in this upcoming episodes, I will invite people who have been victim of discrimination, how they came out of it, and eventually being called themselves victor in the journey. Today's guest is Christian Sebastian Pillay, or better known as Christian the Wordsmith, the founder of Chrisley Proof Reading. Now, a little back, a little back story before we start the interview. Okay, Christian is a dear friend of mine who I got to know through um, through a, one of the one of the session in Own New Story. Since then, we have been talking almost daily on WhatsApp and also on Facebook. And uh, we ex- we have many interesting exchanges and I find her very, in- I find her truly insightful person. She always has something to talk about, especially grammar. So, <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, so therefore, Christian is not a person where you will try to mess in a, to mess in terms of grammar because she, <laughs> She will give you a rough time. Trust me. Okay? Oh wow! So, so, <laughs> so Christian, welcome to Knowledge Worth Sharing Season Two. Thank you, Yuva, for the uh, warm welcome. I know you extended this invite a couple of months ago, but mm-hmm. uh, it's been a very uh, hectic and busy time. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, uh, I do have a little bit of free time, and I think this is a good way to start. 2022. Absolutely. So um, I'm happy to be here and uh, let's see um, how uh, our dynamic and interesting conversation goes today. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And as wise people, as wise people say, better late than never, right? So, so yes. yeah, so off camera, we'll be talking for hours. So it'll be interesting to see how long we can sustain this conversation in this podcast <laughs> yes on okay. camera this is going to be the experiment yeah interesting interesting ahead so yeah so let's start with the first question okay so christian to the listeners of knowledge worth sharing tell us more about yourself about your career and how you grow up okay um i I am actually a middle child. I've got uh, older and brother, uh, older and younger brother and sister. So uh, I'm right in the middle. So the reason why I mentioned this is um, that to me is actually uh, a big influence on um, some of the skill sets, some of the characteristics, and um, it uh, is very, um, what shall I say? It, it, it is a very important part of uh, who I am today and how I've developed and how I've progressed over the years. Okay, so um, uh, I have a tertiary degree, um, Bachelor of Arts in Communications, specializing in public relations and a sub-specialization in human resources. 
So I am, a, in a way, am a pioneer in my family because uh, my elder siblings did a UK education and our Malaysian education system is based on a British education system. Now I, you survive our Malaysian education system because uh, I have photographic memory and um, I am detail oriented and meticulous. So um, unlike some of my fellow students who study the whole year round, you know, there's the term they say study hard and study smart. I studied smart, okay? Uh, my fellow uh, students went the study hard route. Okay, so basically my style was listen to the teacher, take notes, and um, uh, my best friend at the time was the highlighter. I will highlight important points in the textbook. You know, things like history, geography, moral, um, what other subjects? Uh, all those subjects where basically you are supposed to um, absorb the information. And our Malaysian education system is that the way to score in exams, or so I've been told, is absorb everything and regurgitate the whole thing out. So whatever you take in, you're supposed to vomit it out. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to gross anyone out. Vomit it out exactly verbatim uh, in the exam. And that is supposed to be ideally the way you're supposed to score, okay? Um, so I survived Malaysian education system that way. By nature, uh, initially when I was younger, I was actually an introvert. Okay, but uh, there was a pivotal point in my life when I was in form five. Um, so I'm the person who sits quietly, listens to the teacher, takes notes. When it comes to group work, uh, that is the time it's gonna be extremely challenging for me. I do have friends, but uh, um, you can say, you know, everyone naturally has their clique of friends. You know, they will hang out together. They will think alike and whatever not. So group work was a little bit of a challenge for me. So sometimes the teacher had to intervene and say, okay, Christian, uh, uh, um, okay, Christian, do you have a partner? If I say no, okay, so-and-so, partner up with Christian. So sometimes it's someone I know quite well. Sometimes it's someone, they, they don't know me that well, but okay, we, we, for that assignment or whatever, we sit and do it together. Okay, um, so going back to the point where I said I'm a middle child, I realized no, no, no offense to my siblings or my family members. I realized as a middle child, before I knew there was this term called middle child syndrome, um, if I want something, if something is important to me, say a goal, I need to rely on myself focus on it and get it done. So because of that reason, from a young age, I'm highly independent, okay? And one of, one of the few good things about being a member of my family, and perhaps also you can say uh, a strong influence from my late uh, granduncle, whom I'm very close to, he was my mentor and confidant and all that, is um, I'm very good in doing research, not research in the academic sense, but research when it comes to, you know, when you wanna buy something, say a microwave or fridge or something, or in the case of my late uncle, he wanted a kutuvalaka bought for his uh, daughter's upcoming wedding. I did all the research for him and, you know, all that stuff is done before you actually get to the shop, see the stuff and decide whether to buy. Okay, so being a middle child, as I said, I'm highly independent. And I'm, uh, that meant I developed certain characteristics, like I'm very determined, I'm very uh, pers uh, persistent, and I'm very resilient, as well as I'm proactive. 
So if, there, if there's something that I don't know, but by nature, I'm a very curious person, uh, I will proactively look for the information. Obviously, I will look for it in written form, whether it's in the newspaper. Now, in the last couple of years, with the day and the age of the internet, it's very easy. You've got Google, you've got YouTube, you've got Wikipedia. Okay, so coming back to where I said I'm a pioneer in my family is um, um, I chose to do an American degree, okay? And I knew I was going to face resistance because my family is a very conservative and traditional family. My paternal grandfather had a certain way of doing things. So my father, the eldest, then my uncle and my aunt uh, were brought up a certain way. And those ways of doing things, decision-making, uh, values were um, conveyed to us the next generation. Okay, so I, I still do uh, observe some of those values, but because I'm open-minded, I'm um, proactive, uh, I'm um, positive thinking. You can say at times I can I am like a minority in my own family because I think very differently from my family members who um, unfortunately, um, like most people, they focus on the worst case scenario or the negative things. I'm not saying I, I ignore that, but that's just a teensy bit uh, of uh, the, the things I would think, at, uh, think about. Okay, so that, that in essence is, um, so coming back to the, the story about me, uh, I, I, I knew I was gonna face resistance. I did my research. I said, give me one semester. And I had to pitch this idea to my uncle because uh, uh, unfortunately uh, my father passed away in July of uh, 1994 of a congenital heart condition, which he didn't know. You know, the doctor said it's either aggravated by stress or, you know, as you get older, you know, it may flare up. In his case, a problematic staff contributed to his high level of stress. So he underwent the operation, he survived, but a couple of hours later, sadly, uh, he passed away. And, you know, the medical staff tried to resuscitate, but sadly, they couldn't do anything. So um, my uncle became the, the head of the family with my father's passing. Okay, so I had to pitch the idea to my uncle and I said, um, my learning style is different. Okay, I survived Malaysian education system because I can memorize, I got photographic memory. Please let me pursue this American degree. So I did my research on which are the nearby colleges, um, which are the, the American uh, universities that came down. Okay, and the beauty of the American degree is this liberal arts. Unlike a UK education, if you're studying accounting, you study everything related to accounting and finance. And an American degree is more liberal arts. You study things like cultural geography, uh, world civilization, which in Malaysia we call uh, what? Sejarah dunia, world history and all that stuff. So it's a very nice mix. Not only is it in your area of uh, specialization, uh, and sub-specialization, you also learn about other things. So basically that makes you a very well-rounded person. You, talk, you can talk about most any uh, 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 topics under, under the sun, okay? And um, I said, give me that one semester. Let me prove to you this suits my learning style. So when the results came out the first semester, my uncle had to keep his mouth shut. He could not say anything because there was a, 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 
significant difference in how well I did with uh, the in the first uh, semester of my degree versus how well I did in SPM. Despite mm -hmm. me, uh, you know, being able to memorize and photographic memory and all that, it just suited my learning style uh, more. Okay, now coming to the career, we move forward a little. Um, I have more than 10 years working experience in administration in different industries um, and a combined two to three years working experience in customer service and public relations. I've also done quite a bit of volunteer work, um, partially because uh, I do like to help people. And also the uncle I told you I was very close to, uh, he was also a secretary general of a, a NGO in the Asia Pacific region. And that's how I expanded my knowledge base as well into areas which were his area of expertise. And I met experts and senior peoples in other fields. Okay, so that's how I expanded uh, my knowledge base and met people who are experts in their own field. Um, I think I'll stop here, Yuva. Um, is there anything else that you would like to know? Um, yeah, I Thank you for the quite elaborate introduction by yourself, Trishan. And yeah, from the introduction, I can feel the emotion that you fell through. And especially when you start to talk about family, but but we will hold our, we'll hold our horses first because like, we will come to the discrimination part later in the interview. Okay. So sure. going to the, so, so thank you for that. Thank you for that, Christian. So now the next question is more about your career. So I can see from your backdrop, you, uh, you, you mentioned the list of services that you provide. Redesign, resume, CV, proofreading, translation, copywriting. So I'll focus on the two important service that you have in your firm, in your, in your, uh, firm, okay. So, in your opinion, what is proof editing and copywriting? Because there are many people out there who still who are still blur about these two things. So, can you please give your own explanation in in the terms where where simpler men can understand? Okay, um, uh, Yuva is actually proofreading, not proof editing. Um, so proofreading. Okay. Proof um, uh, basically, my definition. There may be multiple definitions for this. Uh, the proofreading service I provide is basically I reviewed my client's writing and I look at the spelling, the grammar, and the written flow of English. Uh, when I say um, written flow of English, that includes things like a punctuation, you know, a comma, a full stop, um, you know, uh, how the sentence structure is, you know, because the purpose of me providing the service of proofreading is um, so that once I'm done proofreading my client's um, writing, whatever form it may take, whether it's an article, uh, an assignment, a Facebook post, a book, uh, a letter, um, whoever is reading it will be able to read it in um, uh, and have a smooth and pleasant reading experience. So that is what I mean by proofreading, okay? Um, with regards to copywriting, my definition again, um, is uh, my, I ask my clients to give me the raw information. So they may give me some certain ideas or maybe some certain words about a certain product or service or maybe themselves, okay? Uh, they need help uh, uh, promoting a certain product or service, okay? Or perhaps maybe writing for their website, okay? Um, and that raw information, I take that, 
I use my command of English, my wide vocabulary, um, and I try to make it as uh, interesting and exciting uh, as possible in order to capture the attention of the reader. Okay, so that is my definition of copywriting. So my client gives me the raw information. I build on it. I improve it. I, 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 I use my own writing style and my unique way of thinking, which is uh, I do think out of the box and I'm quite creative in terms of ideas. And I help the client to highlight what it is that they want to highlight. So that is uh, in, simple, uh, in simple terms, my definition of the difference between copywriting and proofreading. Very well said, Christian. Thank you so much for that. So uh, basically what we say is proofreading is about like um, changing the format of the writing so that uh, people can read it smoothly and without any distraction while copywriting like you have to it's more in writing where you there's a certain format for example like if you're applying for a, a job or applying for uh applying for aid so, so there's, there's a certain format where people have to have to follow right so if they don't follow proper format then most probably the writing will be rejected so this is where you come in okay? um not not so much a format uh, you were for for copywriting um Basically, it depends um, whether it's uh, the copywriting, it could be like so far, some of the things I've done copywriting for mm -hmm. uh, 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 a client of mine who was developing the website for her client. Mm -hmm. um, she wanted me to, initially, she wanted me to write the content for like the about page, the that event space and all that. But then uh, during the course of the discussion, it evolved and finally she said, Shen, can you write me a killer article? Now, when I heard, I know the meaning of killer. I know the meaning of article. But I've not heard that phrase together, killer article. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, this is like, uh, sounds like a very demanding, very, very high standards uh, in terms of the expectation. And I was thinking, okay, never mind. Let's take this on at a challenge and see. And it went well, okay? So um, not so much a format, uh, Yuba. Um, you can see in, in uh, for me, copywriting, uh, uh, another word I would use would be creative writing because it's a creative process. You know, writing is a process that takes time. Um, unfortunately, many people don't understand that. They think maybe uh, if you are fluent in English and you've got a wide vocabulary, you know, you can do this very quickly because you're talented and you're skilled, um, but that is a misconception. Mm -hmm. uh, with regards to proofreading, Yuba, um, not so much changing the format. It is more like, um, as I was saying, the sentence structure um, with regards to the uh, words used, the punctuation, and basically not having uh, sentences that are too long. And the purpose of the proofreading when, the, when I do it is so that Whoever's reading it, when they read it the first time, they should be able to understand and extract that important information that is there. So there, there is no need for treasure hunt. There is no need for guessing game, that kind of thing. So that is uh, the end result that uh, I want to give to my clients. Very well said, uh, Christian. And indirectly, you have answered one of the questions as well because people tend to confuse between uh, copywriting and proofreading. So you have distinguished it brilliantly. I hope the listeners 
do benefit from that and they can have their confusion sorted straight. So yeah, so um, your service is uh, proofreading and copywriting, right? So um, um, okay, copywriting is occasionally Yuva. Proofreading mm. is actually my second most popular service. My most popular service and niche area is uh, redesign and edit resume or CV. Shall I tell okay. you uh, why I decided to offer this service? Because okay, it's a uh, little bit unique. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, basically, when I was doing my degree, uh, I did a credit transfer. So I spent 15 months here and then uh, uh, I transferred the credit to Hawaii Pacific University. So I mm -hmm. spent three years in Hawaii. Beautiful place to live, work and study. Wow. Um, and it was basically, uh, um, you can say it was a once in a lifetime experience because basically I studied with the world because mm -hmm. there were students there from over 100 countries. Wow. Okay, so it's a very global, uh, multi, a melting pot, uh, multi-ethnic, multi-cultural experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so one of the, the, the courses we had to take um, the general, what they call the general subjects. Uh, in Malaysia, I think they call it what pengajian am in the tertiary education here is uh, they call it um, career, career skills. Okay, so there were two things I had to do. Um, one is um, design my own business card. And the other one was to write my own resume. Okay, the, the, the business card thing was not rocket science. Um, in the US, it's actually very simple. You know, they've got these things called um, um, the Avery, Avery perforated uh, sheets. So mm -hmm. you can buy that. Uh, and, you know, you, there's a setting in Microsoft Word. I think one of my friends or someone told me, okay, we had to design our business card. We had to design our uh, resume and we were not given any guidance, nothing. We basically had to start from scratch. Wow. Okay. So that, as I said, that's that every uh, perforated sheets thing. I think there's like five columns on one left side, five columns on the right side. So I just did, I just played around with uh, two or three different fonts. And, per, and for my name, I think I put a little bit of color so that it stands out a little. Okay. And so that's how I designed my business card. Now, when it came to um, writing my resume, now, this one was a little bit more of a challenge compared to the business card. So uh, this is where I use my own talents. Because I'm detail-oriented, because I'm meticulous, I think about things in a very logical, systematic way. That's basically those skills is what I put to use. Okay, so I, I basically wrote my own resume from scratch. Okay, wow. and I used that to apply for... Let's see, what did I do? Um, I used it I, to, I think, apply for a job. I think one of the other assignments we had was to apply for a job, okay, mm -hmm. for okay. that class. Okay, and then um, over the years, so three years I was in Hawaii, I came back. Oh, by the way, I graduated with honors, okay? Wow. So this is the icing on the cake, okay? If anyone doubted whether my pursuing an American degree uh, was the right choice. From the time I got to Hawaii, every single semester for three years, I studied the whole year round. The only break I took was Christmas um, 1999 and January 2000. Okay, because the, 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 
the spring semester started only uh, towards the later half of January. So that was the only one month break I took. Okay. And that's why I traveled uh, to uh, Los Angeles for a few days, went to Disneyland with wow. my uncle and my younger brother and my uh, paternal uncle who were visiting mm -hmm. and spent a few days also in Las Vegas. Okay. Mm. So that was cool. Okay. Nice. Um, so, um, so I graduated, uh, I was um, for three years in a row. So, so yeah, for three years in a row, 98, 99, 2000, every single semester, I was on my university's dean's list. Okay. Wow. Uh, secondly, because I was on my university's dean's list, my university nominated me for the National United States dean's list. And wow. half of 0.5% uh, actually who, who get actually nominated, get uh, added or inducted into that dean's list. And then besides that, um, I also applied for the National Communications Honor Society, the local chapter, and I got inducted to it. And I graduated with honors, um, cum laude, so the first level of, uh, of honors, okay? And um, okay, so coming back uh, to the resume thing. Okay, so I graduated, I came back to Hawaii. Um, so um, when I came back, okay, this is gonna age me. Um, I'm not sure how many of y'all know about the yellow pages, the telephone directory, there's the, there's the white one where is uh, all the, the, the people whose phone numbers you wanna look up, it's the white one, the white pages. And there's this thing called the yellow pages. So mm -hmm. all the advertisements were in yellow pages. This is before there was this thing about internet and uh, Google and YouTube and all that. Okay, so what I did was I went through the yellow pages. So I looked at two things. The first 10 hotels listed in the yellow pages. Okay, number one. Number two, the first top 10 uh, public relations agencies. Okay. And I wrote inquiry letters um, uh, to these uh, hotels and uh, public relations agencies saying, you know, hi, I'm Prashen, I graduated with this degree. Uh, I am inquiring whether there is a suitable position in your organization. And of course, I used the original format of uh, the initial resume that I created uh, in Hawaii itself. And over the course of my working career, I have um, change formats, added certain things, remove certain things, taken feedback given, say, from recruitment consultants, or when I go for some interviews, sometimes the uh, HR executive or HR manager may give you certain uh, suggestions. And if it sounds logical and sounds useful, then I will incorporate it. And then sometimes someone will say, hey, how come is this? Why is this here? Take it off, take it off, take it off. So, you know, it's a little bit subjective, what to put there and what not to put there, okay? And over, uh, so I have, in essence, redesigned and, and edited my own resume or CV, okay? So um, I felt that, uh, you know, um, this is, I don't think, this is an important skill that we should be taught uh, in Form 5, or if not Form 5, before we graduate from college or university, okay? Because not everyone, um, is fortunate enough to um, uh, further their studies to tertiary education. Some people may start working straight away uh, after Form 5. So it should be taught in Form 5. And also, if you go to college and university, you should be taught that before you graduated. 
because this is an uh, important skill uh, when you want to look for a job, okay? Um, but for some people, I understand uh, maybe uh, when they started working many years ago, there was no need. It wasn't absolutely mandatory to have a resume. Okay, the reason why I say this is I added on a service, resume or CV writing, because I came across a client who's middle-aged who actually did not have a resume or CV. Oh. In my mind, I was like, wow. Okay, this is not a fresh graduate. This is an older person. So I said, okay, Christian, just shut up. There's an opportunity here. <laughs> Offer this service. And to date, she's the only one so far who is the person who uh, is the reason why I started resume and CV writing. Okay, oh. so even before this pandemic, Yuba, when mm -hmm. I started uh, the, on this journey of doing freelance uh, work, um, mm -hmm. coming soon is going to be four years because January 8th is exactly the four years ago that I started on this very daunting and adventurous journey. Wow. So redesign advanced, advanced and edit happy. resume or CV, besides proofreading, was one of the first few services I offered. Advanced and along the way, yeah. along the way, based yeah. on clients' demand and seeing the trends, I added on certain services. Mm -hmm. Case in point, the resume and CV writing. Then I added on things like individual profile, company profile, copywriting. Originally, it was just basically translation, um, uh, subtitling, because I'm a movie buff. In mm -hmm. recent years, I noticed when I go and watch those English movies, you know, like Spider-Man and all that, uh, I go there to be entertained, to relax and de-stress, but I get double the entertainment. I'm like, ha-ha in my mind, not ha-ha out loud. Mm -hmm. When I see the wrong word being used, in the subtitles in Bahasa Malaysia, I'm like, <laughs> excuse me, no offense to anyone, okay. which idiot got paid to translate this? Because they did a very, very bad job. They, for, it's a totally wrong word for the wrong, uh, for the context. Okay, mm. so that in essence was why I, I, I offered the service redesign and edit resume or CV. Before mm. this pandemic, it was, it is my niche, it is my number one service. After this pandemic last year, you can say the demand has uh, doubled or tripled or quadrupled to the point that sometimes I have to tell my clients, hang on a minute. Based on my current workload, uh, if it's an urgent request, maybe I may not be able to accommodate it. Okay, uh, back to you, Yuva. Okay, um, okay. thank you again for um, your willingness to share your story about um, the, your services. And... Before I continue, I just want to I just, I just want to wish you advance happy anniversary for initiating this uh, Chrisley enterprise, and I wish you many more years ahead of great fortune and good luck in your services. Thank you, uh, thank you, Yuva, for the well wishes and the uh, uh, encouragement and the positive energy. Uh, that means a lot to me. Okay, you're welcome. Okay, so right now, um, so since you are offering this service, right? But mm -hmm. right now, currently, uh, currently you have this competitor, but the competitor is not in the form of a fellow human being. I mean, you do have fellow, uh, you do have competitors in fellow human beings, but you also have competitor in, in the form of a computer, digital. What I meant that is software like Grammarly, Scholar C, uh, Quillboard. So, so in this in this midst of many competition for who provide similar services that you do provide 
Mm-hmm. How do you see yourself differently and how do you come out of it? How do you like able to come out of it? Yes. Okay, yes. Um with Grammarly, um actually Ayuva, um I may not, I I know a little bit about Grammarly. Uh I may be wrong here, correct me uh, if I'm wrong. Um there are actually people who do manual proof reading Ayuva. It is okay. not all automated. Hmm. Perhaps maybe there, there could be an option there for automation. But what I know about Grammarly, uh, based on uh, what uh, one of my friends actually suggested, perhaps I could sign up to be uh, a person who does manual proofreading on Grammarly. Okay, really? so okay. Um, I, with regards to proofreading, as far as I know, maybe I just haven't heard about it yet. Um, for Grammarly, there are actually manual proofreaders. Okay. okay, I'm not sure whether artificial intelligence or the computer is actually doing the proofreading. But you can say like, you know, in Microsoft Word, I don't know whether Open Office has that. That's like a, a free uh, outsource uh, equivalent to Microsoft Office. Microsoft Word, you can say the machine is doing it because you've got what you call a spell check, which also checks your grammar. So you can say in a way, a little bit the machine is doing or the software is, is programmed to do it. Okay. Um, so with regards to Grammarly, uh, I can't say for sure what is the level of competition I have with regards to proofreading. Um, with regards to the human beings uh, who are doing proofreading, um, I have been doing this now Paid. I, I'm, I'm doing this as a paid service for the last four years. Um, I am not sure what is the number of people uh, doing proofreading. And uh, perhaps, as I said, you know, there, may, there are many meanings to the definition of proofreading. Um, I have come to know from a couple of uh, clients of mine um, that maybe some other professionals who are doing proofreading or maybe they, uh, they themselves are a little confused. Earlier, you were talking about some people being uh, confused between proofreading and copywriting. There seems to be a little bit of a trend, uh, Yuva, of uh, some people getting confused between proofreading and paraphrasing. Oh, okay. okay? Because proofreading, um, and um, uh, just, uh, just uh, two days ago, uh, there was a client of mine, which was, uh, uh, it's a little bit of a complicated story. Basically, I thought this person uh, was looking for my service, okay? And I asked her, where did she hear from me? And she heard from me from uh, WIN, which is one of the very active and dynamic groups I've been in for three years. And um, I invited you, uh, you were to, uh, to join. And I think you like the very positive, empowering, encouraging environment. Absolutely, and yes. you've also done a little bit of shopping uh, on WIN. <laughs> uh, especially, I think, cake for your mom's birthday. Uh, a little uh, TMI there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so anyway, um, she, she uh, heard about me from Wynn. And uh, interestingly, she actually approached her friend who uh, she thought was doing proofreading. And that person said no. And that person had seen my post and kindly suggested me. So, I said, sure. Uh, and then eventually, during the course of the conversation, I find out um, that she's actually asking on behalf of her friend. Okay, mm, so okay. I said, okay, 
Um, I think then if you're asking on behalf of your friend, it's best that I deal with your friend directly. So, you know, she can clarify, ask whatever questions I can ask, very, whatever questions. Basically, initially what I understood was she wanted um, this um, master's uh, assignment to be proofread, okay? But when I got to talking to uh, the actual client, prospective client, I found out she, and she sent me the assignment and I took a look at it. I realized she wants it to be paraphrased. Okay. Now, paraphrase is different from my definition of proofreading. Perhaps paraphrasing is part of proofreading that someone else does. Okay, paraphrasing is basically, you see an article, say in the newspaper or an academic journal or in a book or something, and you like that, uh, the idea there, okay, the phrasing and all that, uh, and you choose to use it. Uh, but in order to avoid uh, being uh, caught uh, uh, plagiarizing someone else's work, you are encouraged to paraphrase. Now, paraphrase means you make changes to the whole sentence. May not be 100%, but you make changes enough that it is not verbatim. It does not read 100% identical. Okay, that's paraphrasing. Okay, um, and this is uh, something I realized in the last maybe two or three months. There are a couple of people who are like doing their master's or PhD, and they say they want proofreading. But during the course of the conversation, sometimes I find out, oh, okay, they actually want me to paraphrase. But if I know ahead of time, while we are still in the discussion stage and we have not confirmed the request and I'm not already working on it, um, then it's easy. You know, I can tell them whether it's something I can do. Sometimes, very rarely, a few times I found out later that actually the client wanted it, it to be paraphrased. So then I tell them, I'm so sorry, um, um, but well, I did the best I could based on the information you gave me. So if you needed to be paraphrased and that information was not given to me ahead of time before I started working on it, when we were still discussing, uh, I apologize, but uh, this is beyond my control. Okay, um, so the... There is a reason I think why I brought this up. It is tied into the question you asked me uh, about competition and all that. Okay. Yes. Because like academic writing is another style of writing altogether. So yes. that I am not trained in that area. Yes, I may be familiar because um, uh, I did tertiary education. I have a degree, but uh, I'm fortunate enough that I did not have to do a thesis as part of my degree. Some degree programs in the bachelor's level itself, you need to do a thesis. I think it's part of the honors program or something like that. Uh, I, I'm guessing because my sister's uh, Bachelor of Arts is an honors program. Um, okay, uh, shall we uh, go on to the next question, uh, Yuva? Okay, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, thank you. But, but uh, the gist of what you said just now, I mean, like you ex explained that the, the major differences between uh, proofreading and also paraphrasing because I'm honestly being as a teacher myself, I'm quite shocked to see people confused between paraphrasing and proofreading because yeah, I mean, I mean, a, a part of, a part of being a teacher myself, I'm also currently pursuing my doctorate and I do know the difference between paraphrasing, uh, paraphrasing and proofreading, but listening from you that 
that some people do confuse between these two is quite appalling, quite surprising. But anyhow, it is what it is. So yeah, but the uh, next Yuva, I think we 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 don't. Uh, I don't think we can necessarily fault them. Perhaps the the exposure to the English language. Audience is just not familiar with the term paraphrasing, or maybe someone uh, told them something and they didn't decide to do research, or perhaps, as I said, this could be in the other context of academic writing rather than creative writing, or letter writing, or just copywriting. You know, there are different uh, branches of writing, uh, Yuva. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Um, Yes, it is a little bit shocking, but uh, we have to educate people. We have to create the awareness so that more and more people will be exposed to this and we can uh, break the misconception and the, mis, uh, the, the confusion between proofreading and paraphrasing and copywriting and other different genres of writing. Absolutely, Christian. You said it. You have put, you have put a nail on the head. Please perfectly bring us to the next section of interview because i believe discrimination happens when this ignorance prevails you know ignorance happens because there's a, when certain people have lack of understanding of what they are what they are into so when they are ignorant they will do the things wrongly and they feel justified they justify what they are wrong doing is and therefore they'll be tend to be misbalance of power misbalance of influence between two or three parties so the so therefore i strongly agree that the best way to combat discrimination is by education educate this these related parties let i, I mean i'm not i'm not talking about in terms of proofreading or sorry i'm talking generally as well we have to educate all related parties so that ignorance doesn't stand a place in the world so education is very important so thank you for saying that so yeah so Talking about the next phase of this interview, uh, let's, this is this phase we tell us to call as the the Cinderella story. You know, the Cinderella story is like um, um, this is where you will like share your uh, how you, you um, I want uh, how you experienced the first discrimination, how you fell through it, how do you come out of it, and how how do you appear as how as how you are today. So my first question in this phase will be, um, can you please share briefly? Of a few of your first discrimination story growing up. Okay. Um, the way I see um, the word discrimination in this case is being underestimated, not being uh, uh, accepted for who I am as an individual, not so much um, in terms of uh, the racial aspects, which is what most people think of when they see the word discrimination. Okay, uh, or in the case of um, uh, inequality of opportunities or resources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, as I was mentioning earlier, you can say that uh, in my family itself, I'm seen as the underdog. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I have time and time again shown my family that no matter what obstacle or barrier or challenge gets in my way, I will rise above it. Wow. Okay, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing um, is impossible. And in fact, um, I'm sure you've heard the, 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 the twist on this. If you look, you break up the word impossible, it's I am possible. Yes, I'm possible. Okay? Yeah. I am possible. But I think very few people are aware of this. 
those who are positive thinking and those who are uh, open-minded and um, look at things from a uh, thinking out of the box, perhaps may know about this. Or if they don't know it, now they know this from me. Okay, yeah. they learn something new. Okay, um, so I, I, um, I don't consciously see myself as the underdog. But you can say, in a way, I am put in that position. Okay. okay? As I said, I'm a middle child. Uh, it's because of that uh, I rose about certain things. And um, uh, also, when it came to my tertiary education, uh, Yuva, I will continue a little bit because this sort of ties in a little bit to uh, what you're talking about, discrimination, my interpretation of it. Okay? okay. So, as I... Uh, as I showed that I did well in the first semester of my degree, um, I almost didn't go to Hawaii, uh, Yuva. Wow. This may be a little bit shocking to you, okay. Okay. Um, but um, because uh, the uh, uncle I told you that I was very close to, coincidentally lived in Hawaii. Okay. Okay, so my paternal uncle thought the reason why I wanted to go to Hawaii was because my uncle is there. He explains. <laughs> okay. And he says, um, you don't have to go to Hawaii to, for the degree. Um, we'll send you on a holiday. Hmm, okay. So in my mind, I was like, this is the sort of like, I was like, this expression hmm. in my mind meh, was like, oh my goodness gracious <laughs> me. How can you say this? Okay. But I out loud, I didn't say that. Lah. So, I prove my point by saying my university was the very first American university to come down to Malaysia and regularly have information preview sessions. And uh, they had these fact sheets where it tells you, you know, for, um, for communication degree, for business, hospitality, or sorry, what, travel industry management and, you know, all their various popular programs. It tells you what are the basic subjects and it tells you also depending on your area or specialization or major, what are the subjects you take? And then there's the sub-specialization and these things called unrestricted electives. So this is where you can take like art appreciation or theater or whatever other else that's not part of your degree program and add it in. So I told my uncle, it's, it's a mere coincidence that the first American university that ends up coming to Malaysia with this information previous sessions and provides me with the most comprehensive information is from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Okay, mere coincidence. Mere coincidence. Okay, yeah. so telling me that uh, we'll send you on a holiday, you don't need to go there to complete the degree was <laughs> not an option in my mind. My mind was set. This is one of the few times where I succeeded despite the resistance I faced in my own family. Okay, so this is one. Um, then also um, coming back to something, I don't know whether you were, you shared about this in your previous podcast sessions um, about uh, Form 5, um, moral, believe it or not, you, uh, I mentioned this to you, I don't know whether anyone else, most people are going to laugh when I say this, okay. believe it or not, I actually went for moral tuition. Really? <laughs> I went for moral tuition because my paternal uncle is a teacher. Okay. He's a teacher and um, um, he taught at a secondary school 
I think it was always secondary school. Um, he started off uh, as a, what do you call it? Those days they call a substitute teacher. Okay, then he went and to the teacher training college and all that stuff. Um, so at the time when I was form four, form five, yeah, I think in form five itself, I actually went for moral tuition to mm -hmm. his colleague, a very nice, pleasant lady. So I actually enjoyed my, not exactly a fan of tuition, but got used to it over the years. Lah. <laughs> now, if the teacher is pleasant and friendly and makes the lesson interesting, then I enjoy it more. Otherwise, it's like the ultimate torture. Ah, yeah, must go for tuition, ah, that kind of thing. Okay, so I actually went for tuition. So as I told you, Yuva, I'm detail-oriented. I'm meticulous. I've got photographic memory. I can memorize. So you've got these moral values, 16 moral values and sub-moral values. I memorize those things. I think you will be horrified when I tell you that come form five, I only pass moral. I did not get a credit. It was not a distinction. Uh -huh. I was shocked myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. But at that time, I didn't know some things which I learned in later years. Mm -hmm. The reason why I mentioned this, uh, Yuva, is I'm tying this to something that you told me previously. Uh, and uh, in one of your, 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 your podcasts, I think uh, two months ago, two months mm -hmm. ago, which you shared to me, where you were talking about different aspects. You were interviewed by three, lovely three or four lovely ladies, and they ask you various questions about your journey uh, yeah. and um, coaching and as a teacher yeah. and all that. Yeah. Okay. And your PhD and all that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you mentioned the uh, discrimination. Um, this is where I believe, based on what you told me, and also I heard about it, is it looks like, sadly, because I belong to a specific ethnicity. You and I are from the same ethnicity. Yeah. Not to get racist. This is Malaysia. This is the fact. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, you now know. Yeah. Okay? Uh, if you know, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. Hey, if you hey, didn't hey. know, you now know. <laughs> <laughs> if you are from the non-dominant ethnic group, okay, when they actually mark the exam strip, there is a discrimination going on here. So this is one of the things I think explains why I only passed, knowing that I should have at least gotten a credit, a high credit, okay, not a pass, okay? So that is another example of discrimination. Um, then another discrimination that I can talk about, um, which I think most people face, I don't know as a teacher whether you face this, Yuva. Um, in Malaysia, um, you can say if you are Chinese, most positions are, are open to you. Okay, don't ask me why. Um, there are several reasons. And this is something you can see in the job street uh, advertisement, um, in the newspaper classifieds, in WAB or whatever online portal. And, you know, now, uh, I think since last year and all that, there's even classifieds on Facebook. Okay. Um, the, the recruitment consultant told me, and I asked, you know, certain positions, the employer wanted a Chinese person. And when I heard one of the reasons, it was mind blowing. It was, I was actually horrified. 
And the reason why they wanted the Chinese, one of the reasons why they wanted a Chinese person was supposedly they are re reliable, they are professional, and they don't gossip. They do the work. <laughs> okay. Now this was like, oh my goodness gracious me. <laughs> this, is, this is unfair. Okay. Very, very unfair. Okay. And uh, I'll talk about a little bit of a stereotype because this ties into discrimination a little also. Okay, sure. And this could be also maybe, I don't know whether it, this is true for Chinese. Okay. Or this is true for, for Malays. Okay. Um, you know, in any, um, in any ethnic group, you know, not everyone is hardworking, not everyone is dedicated, not everyone is trustworthy, diligent, and all that stuff, right? right. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say before you, when you are applying for a job at that particular company, if say someone from the same ethnic group from you was employed there, they get through the interview process, they get hired. Then perhaps, I don't know, their quality of work is not up to the expectation or maybe they take MC often or they're lazy or whatever. Or for some reason, the expectation that the employee has and the supervisor has, it doesn't gel, okay? Um, um, and say that person is not persevering, not uh, determined, um, not um, resilient, perhaps they may give up after a certain period of time. Maybe one week, one month, I don't know, a certain period of time. And then you see, you see there's a pattern like that happening in that organization. And you have an open mind. You're, you know, you're all excited. Okay, here's an opportunity for me. Perhaps, um, you know, if the interview goes well, they ask the questions, I answer it well. Um, I have the qualifications, the skill set, the experience and all the, the knowledge and all that. Perhaps, you know, things may go well. There potentially may be a job offer from this organization. And then later you find out. Like uh, there was an, an uh, I tied into the Chinese thing because there was a well-known hotel. I applied for a position. They did not mention they are actually looking for Chinese speaking or a ch Chinese a person who is Chinese. After I applied for the job, I went through the interview. I followed up about a week or two later. I find out. Um, I am not shortlisted because I'm not Chinese. Another thing, Yuva, is this. I think this is still true. Um, the boss is Chinese, the company is Chinese, the client is Chinese. So they want a Chinese person. Number one, comfort factor. Secondly, a, a, a small minority, if you are not Chinese, but you're proficient, proficient in Mandarin or Cantonese, perhaps maybe you have a chance. So hopefully more of those kinds of opportunities are there, Yuva. So these are the, the, the main uh, examples of discriminations that I have personally faced that I can share. Wow. I mean, yeah, thank you for sharing this. Um, I would say the dark history of yourself, like how you um, go through this dark face in your life like being discriminated just purely based on your skin color and your race and and it's quite unfortunate and my uh being the being underestimated for my capabilities as well yeah uh yuva yeah that too so yeah i mean like this is this is stem purely on ignorance as i said earlier this is this 
the, the root cause of all this is ignorance. So if this this if the if these people could just educate themselves, you know, try to don't give space for any ignorance in their heart in their life. You no, know, just educate themselves to learn more about other other uh, people from other communities, other beliefs, and just focus on their talent. Focus on their talent and just pay attention to what they can actually contribute to the organization or to the community in general. So yeah, so thank you for sharing that. So my next question in this the face of the Cinderella story is how do you come out of it? Um come out of it. Is there any specific stage of any of what I shared? Are you okay, talking uh, which particular scenario? Okay. Um, um, with okay. regard to, to, to my tertiary education, I shared that already. Um, okay. Um, perhaps uh, maybe not so much discriminate. Uh, okay, maybe being underestimated. Uh, let me tie this into my freelance work. Okay. Okay. 95% um, of my prospective clients are actually very pleasant, down-to-earth, considerate, understanding uh, people who, um, um, what shall I say, they know I'm capable of what I'm doing because they may have seen my posts uh, either on my personal Facebook page or my business Facebook page or in select um, uh, Facebook communities in which I post. Or some of them maybe are referrals of some of my satisfied clients or some of my friends. Okay, um, so as I say, 95% of them are easygoing, understanding, uh, easy to work with people. Um, but there are some people I can say who are very fussy, very difficult. Um, perhaps they have some bad experience personally or professionally. They may bring that to, to, in their interaction to me or perhaps they engage someone else's services before mine. Okay. Um, I have had a couple of um, um, challenging clients to deal with. Okay. Some of them you can say, uh, I would use the word micromanaging. Okay. Because even though um, from the beginning, I basically um, given them all the information they need. I find out which service they need. Um, I give them the definition of the service so they understand if they're not familiar with that service, they can somehow get a, a grasp of what it is. Um, and then I will also tell them what is the starting charge. And then I will also ask them, is this an urgent request or is this a regular request? The difference between urgent request and regular request is depending on my current workload, uh, Okay, let me start with regular requests. Regular requests, first come, first serve, I attend to it, the inquiry. And then, you know, some clients are just inquiring because they're curious. They may have come across my post or they, uh, someone told them about me or something. They, they just are doing information gathering. They're doing research. Not everyone who contacts me is actually ready once I... Uh, to give me the, to answer my questions and to give me the necessary materials for me to evaluate their requests and to give them an estimated completion date uh, based on whether it's an urgent or regular request, my current workload, and give them a quotation as well. 
Okay, so there are a couple of my clients. I have already laid it out. I tell them, uh, this is my workload. Based on the information you give me and what you need me to do, the level of simplicity and the level of complexity and all that, I will tell them, this is the estimated completion date. I will also tell them, um, sometimes I will also tell them um, so that they get an idea of uh, that I'm actually busy with how many client requests, okay? So that they know that, um, uh, that if I'm asking for a little bit more time than what they uh, want or what they thought it would take, it justifies it, okay? I will tell them, Estimation completion date, this is what uh, I can do for you uh, based on the information and materials you give me. Um, couple, uh, some of my clients are, uh, are, are not the type to let me get to even that completion date. Some of them will check on me maybe two or three days before. Or, and then I also learn from experience. When I say a certain date, now I define it very clearly. I will say this, this date, this this evening or night because i realize some people when i give a specific date they may be thinking they'll get it at 10 o'clock in the morning or they may get it at lunchtime or they may get it at early evening so um i have some some of some clients who are like that and the other challenge uh, I, I i face sometimes uh, yuva is uh, not so much now but i get inquiries at really odd times at, at night, in the wee hours of the morning, oh. at midnight, at two o'clock, at three o'clock and all oh, that, okay? Um, if I happen to be awake, since this pandemic hit, you can say I'm sleeping a lot later than I usually did. A bad habit I picked up from my previous full-time job because uh, in the office, I couldn't get a lot of work done because uh, colleagues and my supervisor wanted certain things. So I had to bring back the work and all that. And sometimes working too late in the office is not, it's not practical, you know? So I bring the work back home, I relax, I watch TV, I have my meal and then I continue doing the work. Mm -hmm. Okay, so since this pandemic hit, my pattern of doing things has, has changed. I pivoted in different ways, okay? Um, and so if I feel enthusiastic enough to reply the message at that wonderful time, I will. Otherwise, I will wait until working hours, so to speak, and then I will reply the message. Okay. Um, so these these are some of the challenges you can say I face. Not not discrimination so much. And sometimes, you know, some of my clients will ask me, you know, can you show me an example uh, of like when it comes to like copywriting or like redesign and edit resume or CV or company profile, they'll ask me, can you show me an example? So I tell them, uh, sorry, I can't, because if I show you an example, especially when it comes to redesign and edit resume or CV, if I show you that, you don't need my service. If you see that, basically you, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you like the holy grail. I don't know whether this term will, 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 will. I'm giving you the Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you it. My blood, sweat and tears and what I have learned over more than 15 years, hands on, I'm giving it to you. That's one. Number two, I also don't show it to them because I tell my clients, 
whether it's resume or individual profile, proofreading or whatever, whatever material they give me, the raw information and the end result, I am not gonna show it to anyone else. I keep it strictly private and confidential, okay? But some of my clients may be a little bit um, uh, concerned. They will ask me, you know, please keep this strictly private and confidential. I said, no worries. This is already something I do. So these are some of the things that uh, anyone who's interested in knowing about what I, I do or potentially interested in engaging my services, please be assured whatever you give me is between me and you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Once again, Christian, thank you for sharing that. I mean, people tend to misunderstood when when certain people charge a certain fee for the service. Because when you pay a certain fee, you are not just paying for the service. You pay for their effort, for their time, for their energy, and even worse, for the amount of years they spend practicing themselves, honing their skills to come to where they are today. Similarly, Christian, for my life coaching as well, if I charge a certain fee for my coaching services, mm -hmm. they will say, oh, why, why is it so expensive? I say, no, because like I'm giving my time, my presence, my energy to this session. And not just that, the amount of hours I spend practicing and also training to come to True. this level. And also the investment, the monetary investment you put into to, to, to paying, paying for that uh, coaching uh, course, course that you took up. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yes, uh, uh, this is true. Uh, unfortunately, again, this comes into the part where we have to uh, educate and create awareness to people who are not familiar with what you do and what I do. Correct. Perhaps yours, maybe they may have heard of in the last few years, probably they would have heard about coaching. Okay, mm -hmm. but they're now different types of coach. You've yeah. got your life coach, you've got your career coach, you've got your business coach and whatever mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Okay, and I call myself a freelance consultant and um, uh, my tagline is Christian the wordsmith. Mm -hmm. And that is something I coined actually last year. It mm -hmm. wasn't coined from the very beginning. Okay, and um, I actually got the opinion of a few people. I think I even asked you, Yuva. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I actually had some certain ideas I had about my tagline. And quite a few people actually like this. Yeah. Okay, because number one, it's my name. Number mm -hmm. two, it, it, it represents what I do. And it's very catchy. My name already is unique. Mm -hmm. Not many people you will say or not many places you will see the word wordsmith being used. Yeah. However, I think Yuva, I came across somewhere in LinkedIn the other day, someone actually put the word wordsmith, I think in their profile, under their, their photo, that word is there somewhere. Yeah. Or maybe in their, their summary uh, about themselves, wordsmith. Okay, um, so you were talking about, yes, uh, um, the service we provide, uh, um, and the amount of money that's paid for it. Okay, this is very subjective, Yuva. Uh, and this is also tied into some of the challenges I faced. Okay, some of my clients who are not aware of what the service is, they're totally new to this whole thing. And they don't know when I charge a certain uh, amount, 
you can say maybe 1% says it's expensive for you. 99% will not say it's expensive. Only 1% one, uh, 1%. I'm fortunate that only 1% says it's expensive. 99% for the most part is okay with it. Okay. And yeah, it is a little bit challenging in that some people, you know, when it comes to products and you know, those common items, whether it's groceries or skincare or stationery or clothing, most people know what are the prices, what's the market rate. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to coaching, when it comes to written communication skills, which is what I provide, um, it is subjective because the person's education, the person's experience, the person's level of skill, um, the person's uh, expertise, um, the year, as you were saying, the years that were spent hands-on uh, honing and, you know, um, developing and sharpening, you know, see, it, it, this is like a, it's like a tool, you know, you, you, it takes some time to sharpen the knife, right? If the, yeah. the, the knife is blunt, you put it against that sharpening stone, it's yeah. going to take you quite some time to sharpen it. Your mm -hmm. arm will be aching, your wrist will be aching. Something will happen. Yeah. Okay, it takes some time. Okay, so uh, most people don't understand there is a lot more variables and things, components to take into consideration when it comes to yourself uh, coding for your coaching services, myself coding for my written communication services, Yuva. And that's why I do something called starting charges. It is not set in stone. So depending on the complexity, the simplicity, whether it's an urgent request, whether it's a regular request, um, how much of my own personal talents and expertise I have to put into it, is, is, these are some of the things that are factored in when I um, provide a quotation to my client, okay? Uh, there are exceptions to what I said just now about Yuva. About I said ninety nine percent said is of, uh, it's not it, it, only one percent says it's expensive, and it's very subjective. Yuva, when it comes to money, everyone has their own uh, different weighing um, scale yeah. where, uh, uh, or calculator uh, when it comes to gauging what is uh, reasonable, what is affordable, what is too low, what is too mm -hmm. high. In fact, Yuva. Um, some of uh, my friends in one of the groups in which uh, I started off, uh, I started off as a buyer and then I transitioned besides being a buyer, a supporter, I transitioned into first advertising my services in that community in Facebook. Okay. Uh, when I was volunteering at the bazaar, um, one or two of them said, you know, uh, we were just talking about what I do and all that. When, they, when, uh, when I said, you know, how much I was charging for proofreading or how much I was charging for resume, just like, what? So low. Ah? Uh, so I said, oh, low. Ah. Low, I, ah. um, well, there is a reason why I said it at this. I did sort of evaluate, uh, uh, evaluate and gauge my service, my skills and experience and talents. And when it came to proofreading, I actually asked someone else who, who, who's a bit knowledgeable in freelance and proofreading and all that. So my first client uh, for proofreading, my first client for 
resume writing, my first client for redesign and edit resume, it was a win-win situation. They actually got the cheapest, uh, if I can use the word cheap, the cheapest, lowest uh, charge that I had. Okay, and then after some time, um, as more people got to know me, and I know uh, I, I have proved to my clients that, uh, you know, I have met my own high standards. So if I can meet my own high standards, I'm pretty sure I can meet the high standards of my clients. Unless there is something in my clients' expectations that they have not told me. So I'm not psychic. I'm not a mind reader. Sometimes I've had to be with some of my clients because uh, I understand that some people struggle to communicate what it is they want. What are their expectations? So we start off with um, a, 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 a 20, 20 questions. Okay, not quite 20 questions, but maybe five or 10 questions to break the ice, okay? And then finally, may, they may get an idea of where we're going with this or get an idea of who I am and what I'm offering. And then perhaps in their mind, they may have figured out um, what it is they are looking for and all that, okay? So they, the exception I'm trying to say is uh, Yuva. There are some of my clients, you know, maybe before this pandemic, some of my clients have various challenges. Financially, you know, they are maybe in a tight position. And also after this pandemic, I noticed for about a month, um, even though I make sure that my charges are 19, uh, it is, uh, it is, um, affordable so that 99 sorry it's reasonable so that 99 percent can afford it there are exceptions to this occasionally i do make exceptions and i do revise lower down a little my quotation but it has to be um uh by a certain quantum yuva because this is my only source of income i don't have any other source of income my freelance work which originally um uh, Yuva, I didn't mention this earlier. The reason why I got into freelance was not by design. It wasn't planned. My last full-time job was what you call a fixed-term contract. I worked in this very well-known uh, private university and um, working hours were good. Um, it's a good environment. Benefits were good, uh, a convenient location and all that. Unfortunately, 90% of my job description was to fi keep five senior people in a very technical field, which is not my area of expertise, happy. Um, and um, I had to do what do you call five, way five different ways of writing meeting minutes, Yuva. Even though there's a format, the organization has a format, I had to write five different ways because mm -hmm. each of them won different degrees and levels of information. So mm -hmm. imagine I had to keep those five heads of department happy, as well as the teaching staff. That 10% is actually the stuff I love. And I actually don't report to those five. But you can see a major chunk of my job description is to keep those five happy and the teaching staff. I and my supervisor actually got along because we had certain similarities in characteristics. So it was sort of uh, a, a broad hint was given to me, as with most organizations where you are working, that's the standard thing called a probation. It's either three months or six months or whatever. So it's a time where both the organization and the employee decides whether there's a good fit in terms of the skill set, job description, expectations, and all that. So it was told to me, Yuva, um, 
during the 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 the, the, the probation period that uh, initial uh, uh, evaluation that there are certain things to improve i tried my best to improve but it is very hard to keep this many people uh, happy even though i tried to be read their mind write like them and all that okay so um unfortunately when the contract ended even though i started job hunting i wasn't fortunate enough to secure the next position before the contract ended. So I was doing a little bit of soul searching, I was doing thinking, I was contemplating, you know, doing grab, even while I was still working at that organization, you know, mm -hmm. to get some extra money, you know, what people call like a side hustle, or, you know, uh, 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 you know, an mm -hmm. additional thing on the side to get uh, yeah. extra income besides mm -hmm. your full time position. Okay, so I was thinking about grab, but then um, at the time, um, you know, there were cases of some uh, customers actually attacking Grab drivers, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, later also um, Uber, sorry, Grab bought over Uber. Then there was an influx of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of drivers and all that. So this is where you can see a little bit of the underestimating bit. Um, my elder brother said, this is not safe. You know, some uh, some Grab drivers are being attacked. Mm. Me being a girl also is another discrimination, another level yeah. of discrimination. Okay, so my brothers were allowed to do certain things, you know, go out late and all that stuff. Whereas I was expected to be home for up till about maybe 15 years ago by 10 p.m. Then mm. I extended it and extended it and extended it. So now... If I'm not, go if I'm going to be home before midnight, I'm not going to say anything. If I'm going to be home maybe later than midnight, then I will call home and say. Mm -hmm. So this is, uh, you can say the inequality, so to speak, a little bit of discrimination. I'm tying it there. Yeah. Okay, so um, what, uh, okay, where, where was I getting, I'm not sure where I was going with this. There was a reason why I brought this up mm -hmm. uh, is, um, Yuva, do you remember where, why, what were we last talking about? Okay, you and there were... was a reason why I went in this tangent, so to speak. Okay, you know, basically the question was, how do you come out of it? But I think right, that... how do you come out of it? Okay, yeah. so um, how I go go about it is I look at it in a very analytical sense, Yuva. I catalog my capabilities. Uh, I research information. Um, I think about it very carefully. If I know someone who is a bit more experienced or knowledgeable in this particular topic or this particular uh, industry or whatever, I will consult them. Okay. And um, in the last couple of years, Yuva, um, oh, sorry, let me go back a little bit. Okay. Coming, this is ties into what you're saying about how do I come out of it? I remember I said originally I was an introvert. What changed in Form 5, later half of Form 5, is one of my friends who actually knew me from primary school. We also went to the same secondary school. She said, Shen, why are you so quiet? Talk la more. <laughs> all, that's all she had to say. After that, um, uh, that was like, uh, you know, like, um, you know, like a dam, right? There's like water dammed into the dam. Mm. So then you pull up the Louis gate or whatever yeah. gate or whatever mm. you want to call it. Yeah. Okay. That was, that switched on that, 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 um, there was a paradigm shift for me. 
Okay, that pull is in, 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 in the analogy of a dam, you pull up that gate or whatever you want to call it. And from that point, no one can stop me now. Mm -hmm. uh, until I became a, self, a little bit self-conscious, Yuva, uh, some people actually said I was talkative. And the tone in which they said it was not encouraging. So for a brief period of time, I was a little bit quiet. Mm -hmm. Not so talkative, but not as quiet as I used to be. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have learned over the years to adapt accordingly because I'm a person who actually likes things to go according to plan. I like a certain routine. I like things to, you can say, uh, I'm no longer a control freak. Lah. You can say many, many years ago, I was a perfectionist. I'm a, I maybe could be categorized mildly as a control freak. But I've learned that there's only so much you can control in life. True. You can tick it out, you can plan it out, but life happens. Either the universe or the big man or woman upstairs, the almighty, has mm -hmm. other plans because they know more than, when, than we do. So how do I come out of it? Go with the flow. I Go had to flow. learn to be spontaneous. I had to learn to inject a certain portion of uh, being agile. To use the term that I learned so much about last year is pivot. Before the pandemic, yeah. the, my understanding of pivot is the pivot table in Microsoft Excel, <laughs> okay. which is a little bit complicated. Okay, I learned and don't ask me now, I can't do it now, the pivot table. Okay, mm -hmm. because this is a kind of skill you need to continuously do it and then you sharpen it. Okay, so going with the flow, um, then stepping out of my comfort zone, uh, Yuva, four years ago, uh, when I was without a job and I knew the last couple of years is an employer's market and I know they're very, very fussy. They either want young, a fresh graduate or they want a certain ethnic group or they want a certain age. Okay, coming back to the discrimination, Yuva. Okay. Uh, once you, at least in the newspaper and the job agencies, once you hit age 35, uh, 35 and you're not touch 40 or mm -hmm. not touch 45, uh, somehow uh, to employers and recruitment agents, uh, you're like suddenly invisible, you know, Yuva. Oh, okay. Don't ask me why. Mm -hmm. Somehow between the age of 35 to 40, it's like you're, you no longer exist. So wow. if there are any job vacancies, you were talk, we were talking about discrimination just now. If there are any job vacancies, um, if you are 35 and above and you have not touched 40 or 45 because there is another level of discrimination in that some will say 35 and below. The recruitment, a couple of recruitment consultants said, oh, what's your age? Yeah? So I tell them the age. Oh, over 35. Huh? I say, yes. Uh, sorry, uh, our clients are looking for 35 and below. I said, okay. Thank you for letting me know this. It's good to know. Um, uh, then there is the other extreme of discrimination. They want someone who is like 40 or 45 and mm. above. Okay. They want the mature and very experienced person. Mm. Okay, so there is the 35 and below. And there's the 40, 40 and 45 above. and above 
considered senior executive sort of managerial level lah in a way okay. lah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, I've learned. Uh, so coming to the story of uh, uh, how do I get out of it? Again, I was a pioneer. No one in my family has done what I've done again. I step into the unknown world of freelance. I'm not sure exactly how I came up with the idea of doing freelance. While I was doing soul searching somehow, somewhere, I don't know, maybe I read the term freelance somewhere. Okay. Uh, and that may have given me an idea. Or maybe I came across someone doing freelance. This is me yet again, stepping out of my comfort zone and saying, okay, it's going to be a while until I get my next suitable full-time job. Now, what can I do to stay productive, earn an income, and you know, utilize the talents, experience, knowledge, skill, and expertise I have? So I started doing freelance from scratch, Yuva. No one to guide me at all. So this is, to use the analogy, I was going from the frying, uh, frying pan into the hot fire, mm. okay? I, it was a calculated risk, even though there were a lot of unknowns here. I wasn't sure whether how long I can do this, um, whether I would be able to financially support myself. I'm fortunate that I have certain um, resources that are being covered by my family members. So you can say I am cushioned a little, okay? Even though I'm independent, but in certain aspects, there were certain things that are already provided for, okay? So perhaps that helped me in um, uh, getting past certain uh, uncertainties, okay? And in the last four years, so I actually uh, constantly challenge myself, Yuva. And I still am constantly challenging myself because I've learned that, um, you know, they say change is inevitable. Absolutely. So might as well I make a constant choice and jump in rather than get dragged into the vortex, get dragged into the twilight zone. Okay, so I made a, a, concert, a, a conscious uh, decision to step out of my comfort zone. And over the years, and in the last two, in the last four years, and especially in the last one year, because of this pandemic, I was thrown again out of my comfort zone because I had to pivot again. I had to change my approach. I had to spend more time uh, creating awareness and changing my style of marketing my services and finding different ways and platforms of reaching out to more people. You know, Yuva? So it is basically, there is no one, there is no set formula, Yuva. Basically, you need to be agile. You need to be proactive. You need to do your research. And please don't hesitate to ask for help. There's nothing wrong in asking for help. It is better to ask for help from someone who's more knowledgeable and experienced rather than having to reinvent the wheel. You're going to spend a very long time. And nowadays in, in, in the, the, the current uh, context, as they say, go get a mentor, go get a coach, you know, so you can learn from someone who's been there, done that, and still there. And you can, you can say, learn practical, useful tips, Yuva. So mm. I hope that answers your questions of how do you get out of certain things that are not within your control, not something you planned. 
uh, how do you deal with situations that are not of your own choosing? Mm. Well, very well explained, elaborately, and yeah, I believe every listeners out there, especially the young adults, will truly benefit from what we said just now. So thank you for sharing that question. So yeah, we come to the last two questions or interview. Um, yeah, I mean time passed very fast. Uh, yes, it's, it's, uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm also noticing uh, how much time has passed by. But um, I think it's been a very productive, dynamic, um, uh, uh, um, two-way conversation. Not Absolutely. so much an interview, not so much a podcast, but a natural yeah. conversation because Absolutely. we already know each other quite well. Yeah. Yeah, and then being a close friend, Christian, just to give you a, just to give you give give you all some insight. If there's a normal conversation over a WhatsApp call, it'll be over two hours, and he'll be she'll be talking 90% out of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this podcast is the testament of it. Yeah. So, so, so the next question: If you could turn back time, Christian, what will you change and why? Um, I think you've. Uh, I think there's only one thing. Uh, if I if I have the power, uh, the superpower of uh, turning back time. If I had a time machine, so to speak, like you know the book. Uh, what the 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 War of the Worlds? There's a time machine by H. G. Wells. H. G. Okay, and in some you know like what is it that movie? Um, the Avengers. The Avengers. Yeah. There's also the guy, uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor he Strange, can uh, yes. open up those uh, time Man bottles time. and all that. Yep. Um, yeah. it, no, and there was Ant Man. Ant Man. Ant Man. Ant Man's one, but also Doctor yeah. Doctor Strange, I think, in the Avengers. Yep, correct. Yep. Uh, Ant Man can 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 shrink in shrink size, uh, Yuva. Yep, correct. Okay, so Doctor Strange is the one that can do all these things yep. with time and all that. Yep. Um, uh, what I would like. Uh, I would want to change if I had a choice is um, I would still be in Hawaii, Yuva. Okay. Okay, because even though I spent three years in Hawaii, as I was mentioning to you earlier, I, I hinted at it, that three years was a whole lifetime altogether, Yuva. Wow. Yeah. Um, it is more than three years. Okay, um, as I told you, I, I studied with the world. It's a multi-ethnic, multi-cultural experience. And um, the, the, that uh, American degree suits my learning style. I am, as I said, I told you I'm independent, right? And this is another thing, um, another challenge when it comes to Malaysian education system. We are told, listen to the teacher, don't ask questions. Whatever the teacher teaches you, whatever's in the textbook, exactly answer those questions and suppose, supposedly you're going to score. Okay, but there was an initial, a little bit of a culture shock for me, Yuva, but thankfully because I did 15 months here, when I was in Hawaii, there wasn't any major culture shock. Um, an American degree is one, and in certain ways, even an Australian degree has certain similarities, I've been told. Um, you are encouraged to do analytical thinking. You are encouraged to do critical thinking. You are asked to talk. Unlike here in Malaysia, shut up, 
listen to the teacher, don't ask questions. Okay, mm. there they want you to ask questions. If you're quiet, then they're going to they're going to be wondering. Is there something wrong with this person? Is there something the person doesn't understand, or maybe they are shy to ask the question or something? Perhaps they may thinking culturally, or maybe that person's personality is such. Um, so I would, if I could turn back time, I would still be in Hawaii, Yuva, uh, because um, part of my degree there is actually an internship, what they call a practicum, okay. And my university, that semester, I wanted to do it. They didn't offer it, Yuva. I had to write an appeal letter saying that this is part of my syllabus. I want to do this internship. I wrote the appeal letter, and thankfully, I was successful. I was able to do the internship. Okay? So because I achieved actually a lot of things uh, in the US, uh, uh, Yuva, not only did I graduate, with honors. I even learned to drive in the US, Yuva. Wow. I don't think if I learned to drive in Malaysia, I wouldn't, I would have learned, but I don't know how many tries it would have taken because mm -hmm. by nature, I'm not a technically inclined person. In Malaysia, it's manual transmission. In the US, you've got auto transmission. And still, even though I had the most patient, kind, uh, elderly gentleman who taught me driving, it took me the third time, as the phrase goes, third time's the charm, the third time I passed, okay? And you know, the culture and the environment is very different uh, uh, than Malaysia, Yuva. There's not, there is not this level of bureaucracy and red tape and stereotype and discrimination that you see here in Malaysia, you don't see that there, okay? More or less, everyone is treated as equal. I did not, as far as I know, I don't recall being discriminated or looked at differently just because I was Asian, okay? And when I was uh, in, uh, when I went to Hawaii, was actually the beginning of the start of the Asian financial crisis. That was also another reason why I almost didn't end up going besides my family having um, some hesitation about it. I was fortunate enough that I, I uh, was already enrolled and all that, okay? Some of my fellow Malaysians actually came back. They were there earlier than me. And because their parents were paying for their education, quite a few of them actually had to come back to Malaysia, okay? And um, a lot of Malaysians were there also. So it... It, it, it was a home away from home, but there were also Malaysians and I joined the Malaysian Students Association and all that. So I didn't really feel much about, much about missing uh, Malaysia. So uh, I wasn't fortunate enough, like some of my fellow students, uh, to get offered jobs before I graduated. And as I told you, I studied the whole year round with the exception of that one month break. So by the time I graduated, I was like, Okay, I need a break. I need to relax. Okay, so I did not actively look for jobs. And you were in the US, um, my, my, my student visa was still valid. Okay, um, um, I did not, you know, if you want to work, you need to apply on your own to get the, the, the working visa, you know. Um, so, and this, uh, I'm going to relate to you very quickly something. I did internship in the Sheridan Waikiki Hotel. In fact, there is also a little bit of a story. My family, 
my degree in communication is actually not my first choice ever mm-hmm. i wanted to do uh hotel catering and management is now known as hospitality management mm-hmm. but my family had some really weird ideas me being a girl partially uh they thought i'd be dealing for with drunk customers for some bizarre reason eva and they didn't they they thought that i uh, wasn't willing to work my way from the bottom to the top and they didn't think um they also thought perhaps i'd be working long hours so this is them underestimating me okay so when it came time to do my practicum the internship i said ha i this is where i had the last laugh okay i did my internship in a hotel wow in the sheridan waikiki hotel okay. in the public relations department and the human resources department because my specialization is public relations my sub specialization is hr and actually there's a story also to this it is not by coincidence that i chose to do a degree in communications since my family didn't want me to do hotel catering and management i was thinking what is a a a an area i can go into i should be able to work in most industries so i think at the time communication was popular so i said okay lah let's go and do communications then i had to choose a sub specialization i chose public relations it was deliberate sub specialization instead of a double major i chose human resource if you think about this all these three areas communications public relations human resources all have to do with dealing with people mm-hmm. so this is me coming full circle from an introvert becoming comfortable in being an extrovert okay it's a, a complete 360 turnover right correct correct paradigm shift complete paradigm 360 degree change from introvert to extrovert but mm. even though i'm introvert uh, yuva i'm happiest when i'm around like minded people and positive thinking people but yuva i also need my me time i need my quiet time to do my own thing as well so you can say maybe at that time i'm a teensy bit introvert lah okay so uh it is hawaii uh, to answer your question it, it is hawaii yuva because i did not foresee september 11 that terrorist attack happening and since then if you want to go back to the us with the changes in the administration there and after that uh, uh, terrorist attack you know they've tightened up things not just the us australia canada and all that they've tightened up things um it was always in my plan yuva hopefully i i i will uh, realize this in the near future to go back um uh, and do a masters i actually in fact oh. did some research because my university the president and the vice president of international relations comes down to uh, malaysia regularly to of course before this pandemic every year at least they'll come down once and then they'll also meet the alumni and they'll go and meet the colleges and universities and look at collaborations and all that um i actually did some research about which masters program i can do and you are not do a thesis wow do you know if i do a masters in communications i don't have to do a thesis no oh, 10000 <laughs> pages or 10000 words and all that stuff I don't think you can get away with that in Malaysia. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think you can get away with that. Um uh, well, I've just have to disagree Christian because I did my masters in uh, in education coursework mode. So that means there's no thesis. 
So there are some courses in Malaysia where you can do masters with coursework without thesis, but you need to do extra hours or you need to because um, uh, if you're doing thesis, they will drop some courses because like, the thesis itself takes a, a lot of credit hours. But mm -hmm. if you don't do, if you don't choose to do thesis, you have to do extra courses to balance the the credit sure. hours, the credit sure. hours. So, sure. Yeah. So I think okay. that might that might be in your case, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my I just learned something new from you. Perhaps there are options in Malaysia, but well, the doing the masters in communications was uh, actually sort of a suggestion by my late uncle. Because mm -hmm. he said, if you want to come back to Hawaii, sure. But perhaps uh, come back for a master's. Okay, so this has been an idea for quite some time, even before the pandemic. Um, hopefully, uh, I am able to realize um, uh, this dream of mine. It, it, it becomes a reality rather than just a goal or a dream. And... Um, if at all, another part to why uh, Hawaii, uh, Yuva is, I love Malaysia very much. But in the three years I was in Hawaii, I love it so much. It, it, I was fortunate that my uh, late uncle lived there. Uh, so I didn't really, uh, I wasn't totally alone. But I was still independent. I was still uh, doing things for myself, paying bills, laundry, cooking, driving and all that stuff. Okay, uh, I mean, even in Malaysia, I did some of those things, but it was a different level of independence altogether uh, in, 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 in Hawaii. So if, if at all it's possible, not only just to go and do a master's there, if it's possible, I would like to live and work there, uh, Yuva. So that, that, that is my uh answer to your question of uh, if i could turn back time what would i change so hpu hawaii, hawaii pacific university if you are listening to this podcast it <laughs> might be a, a warm homecoming to your favorite alumni in the near future so we should brace for it so <laughs> and now we come to the last question of this interview christian sure um how can interested people who uh, who are who want to know more about your services connect with you and find out more about Kuchle Enterprise. Okay, as you can see um, um, uh, behind me, the uh, virtual background uh, that is the exact spelling: C H R I S H L E I, uh, and then the next word: proofreading, as in P R O O F. R-E-A-D-I-N-G. Just type that in Facebook and you will come across my business Facebook page. Okay? So that's how you find me on Facebook. That's one simple way. Um, another way is on LinkedIn. Just type uh, Christian the wordsmith and you will come across my profile. Okay? Um, I'm also on Google My Business. Uh, that one is a bit long. Uh, I'm not going to mention that because the URL link is a little bit complicated. Um, what else am I on? Uh, yes, uh, recently, as of uh, month of November, 
I'm also on Shopee, Yuva. Well, because about three, <laughs> about a month, a month and a half ago, when I attended a recent training, and this is one of the things where I've been pivoting, is a lot of uh, when I started, as I told you, I had no guidance. Because one of the good things about the pandemic is a lot of free courses, master classes, and resources are made available, either free or at nominal uh, uh, prices. So I've been going full stream ahead also in uh, upskilling and learning new things and. Uh, gaining knowledge and skills and all that stuff. Okay, so about a month and a half ago, in one of the recent trainings I attended, the trainer actually uh, mentioned e-commerce and talked about Shopee and Lazada. Now, I already use Shopee because of this pandemic um, and how my family reacted to this. Um, they took on some really extreme measures uh, with this pandemic and that's some of the Challenge, additional unnecessary challenges I'm dealing with. Yuva knows very well. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing a lot of online shopping, more than I did before the pandemic. So I've been doing a lot of shopping on Watson, a little bit on Book Access, uh, Mr. DIY, and a fair amount of shopping uh, in the last uh, one month on Shopee. So I know it from the perspective of a buyer. So as of the month of November, I transitioned into a seller. So if you go to Shopee and you type, let's see, uh, I think if you type uh, Christian the wordsmith, uh, or you type, uh, okay, we'll, we'll simplify. Just type Christian the wordsmith, you should, you should be able to find me. And another one, which I don't know how many people are on that, because recently I took up a training under another training under HRDF, uh, HRDF on entrepreneurship because I've taken a couple of various courses on entrepreneurship by different organizations. Um, one of the things uh, it gives us access to is their equivalent of an e-commerce, their equivalent to Amazon and Lazada and Shopee and all that. They, they, they call this thing something called Jana Prana. This is HRDF's own mm. e-commerce platform for some of the uh, participants who have uh, uh, enrolled and completed successfully their courses. So I'm going to be on Jana Prana soon. Later wow. this coming days, I'm going to be uploading uh, uh, my services and you can find me there as well. Wow. Um, besides that, you can also, um, I'm sure, I think Yuva later you will perhaps put a link to my WhatsApp uh, shortcut link and um, the, uh, the, the, the link to my uh, business Facebook page. Um, that's another way you can also reach me because yeah. I know this is a lot of information for everyone to absorb about what you and I have discussed. And also very quickly, I've mentioned some of the various ways you can uh, contact me. So um, yeah, that's basically uh, it, uh, Yuva. Okay, all right. Thank you, thank you, Christian. Okay, for those for those listeners and uh, for viewers who missed out whatever Christian has said just now, I will I, I will update all the contact details in the podcast description and also in the video description, so you it will be easier for more convenient for you to reach Christian. And also, if you browse uh, Christian Facebook page, there will be a trending hashtag which have the hashtag Orange Cat. Because uh, if you <laughs> if you see one of our editorial, you will know what I mean. Uh, why why is the hashtag trending? So joke jokes apart, Christian, thank you so much 
for coming uh, to one minute to one minute uh, yuva can i just briefly stop you okay. yuva is very fascinated by this random orange cat that actually in okay we do happen to have in my house an orange cat but mm. that orange cat we have in my house my my niece's res, my niece rescued the cat and then it became my younger sister's son uh, has nothing to do with the orange cat that yuva loves and is fascinated about there's a the story to it one last story yuva i know i know we've had a long conversation um is that that orange cat is actually random one of my friends sometime last year i can't remember who definitely not yuva otherwise yuva won't be so fixated on that cat <laughs> and say that i owe the cat royalties even though the cat doesn't exist and the cat is just um you can say a very catchy way of catching people's attention okay the cat does not do any work i do all the work okay so the orange cat i don't know what advertorial yuva put up but later i will find out i'm sure after <laughs> this that orange cat does not exist but i notice uh sometimes when i put that cat um is basically the cat is peering over a piece of paper that is feeding out of a printer and this is my in my definition the cat is doing proofreading okay fictitiously mm. in real life the cat is not doing proofreading so that is the that i just wanted to qualify that and give a little context to the orange cat yuva <laughs> so back to what you were saying uh, yuva Mm. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that disclaimer. You have you have heard it from from the from the lady herself. The orange cat does not exist. So, uh, so if you try to find orange cat, I will be disappointed. So, thank you for the disclaimer. So, thank yeah. Thank you, Yuva, for that uh, suggestion of uh, a possible hashtag. Mm. I will think about it. Um, but I think Krisha, the wordsmith is uh, a memorable enough hashtag. Mm-hmm. So wherever, whether it is on uh, Google My Business, on Jana Pranav, on Shopee, or on my personal uh, Facebook page, or the community I created last year, in which I also uh, invited you, uh, who who kindly accepted, uh, the wordsmith is my tagline. So I think we'll keep things simple, Yuva. We'll stick to the wordsmith. Let's not okay. confuse people. Okay, sure, no problem. I mean, like after all, it's your services, and you have the you have to find the word. So yeah, Christian, thank you so much for coming to this podcast, and and I can proudly say you are the first interview guest for Knowledge Word Sharing Season Two. You are you 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 have the privilege. You are the you are the privileged first guest for the second season of the podcast. So um as the you know like the the uh, as of fable you know there's the hare and the tortoise mm-hmm. I may be slow to the race but yeah. you know the hare was had the head start right running mm-hmm. okay and then uh, you know the hare was taking it easy had a nap and then who won the race the tortoise the tortoise so yeah. the analogy is even though yuva invited me uh kindly offered uh, to uh, uh have a, a podcast uh, interview Uh, several months ago last year but i think you know i believe things happen for a reason uh, yuva and i a few days ago i said yuva i 
I have not forgotten your kind invitation. Let's start 2022 with a bang. And coincidentally, Yuva says he's going to um, uh, he's going to um, a new uh, get started on season two. Mm -hmm. And I am humbled and honored to uh, and to be given the privilege by you to be the very first um, guest or speaker on season two. Yeah, thank you, Christian. Um, I'm sorry there's no any potpourri or red carpet, but thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for being being here today. And yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, um, thank you so much. And um, I wish you all the best for I wish I wish you all the best for Christian Enterprise and Christian the Wordsmith. May you get more clients and may hopefully, hopefully through this podcast, may the world know your capabilities and know what you can contribute to the world. So, Christian, once again, thank you so much. Yes, uh, thank you, Yuva. Um, this uh, podcast is also, I heard in, in some of the trainings I attended last year, podcast, writing a book and getting interviewed in the media and all that. Uh, also, other ways of getting the word out and reaching out to people and all that. So, uh, thank you for your kind words and well wishes and positive energy. I too would like to wish you all the best in your new venture which um, I believe you uh, started about, I think uh, about two or three months ago, uh, Yuva, this, yes, um, your, co yeah. your coaching venture. Yeah. Um, slowly but surely, a little by little, um, step by step, I know you will succeed because like me, you are also resilient. You also had your fair share of challenges. You yeah. still have your fair share of challenges. And... Um, uh, you know, you and I are in the uh, very empowering and uh, positive and supportive uh, community, um, the one that we are both in. Uh, and also, um, you can also feel free to offer your services in the Facebook community that I created as well, Yuva. I wish you all the very best with your teaching job uh, in completing also your PhD, which I know that is one of your main goals this year as soon as possible this year uh, um, to meet the, the next convocation, I believe, if it's possible. And um, uh, I am more than happy to uh, help um, spread the word about what you're doing because um, what you're doing is also a niche area, uh, Yuva. You are a life coach, but um, as you said, um, your niche area is in anti-discrimination or bullying. Okay, so I don't think, as far as I know, anyone else is doing this. So it, it is good to have a niche. I mean, it's also good to have competition, healthy competition. And competition actually is a good word. It's not a bad word like some people think. Because humanly, each of us can only do so much. So when we work together in collaboration and partnerships with our colleagues or providing the same service or related services, we can actually help more people and we can learn from each other. Okay, um, so yeah, I will stop here uh, now, Yuva, um, yeah. because um, uh, we have now come to the end of um, this podcast and the video interview. We will continue our discussion as usual offline yeah. on off camera, WhatsApp. Off camera, absolutely. All right. So yeah, the final word for today is the way forward 
is to collaborate and not to compete. So, Christian, thank you. And we have come to the end of the interview. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Yuva, and uh, take care and uh, bye, everyone. Wishing all who are listening in to this and watching all the very best for 2022. May you achieve your dreams. And please, this is the year to step out of your comfort zone and try new things. Ask for help if you don't know something. Okay, bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to the end of this episode. My podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube pages are now online. Do check them out. And do not forget to tag me on Instagram at knowledgewordsharing underscore YD and knowledgewordsharing by Yuvarajan on Facebook. I'm also delighted to say that my podcast is now available in Apple Podcasts, Audible, and Amazon Music. For those who are interested to have a free discovery coaching call, I've also included the link to schedule a call with me in the description. If you find this episode useful and worth sharing, please do share in all your social media handles so that many more can listen to it and hopefully will find it worth sharing too. Thank you so much and I will see you in the next episode. Sayonara.